Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. And thank you, Alec Webb. And hello, everyone, and welcome to MotorWeek podcast number 143. And around our table in Studio C is our writer-producer, Brian Robinson. Hello, John. Our writer, Patrick Lucas. Hello, John. Our assistant producer and road test guru, Greg Carlos. Hey, hey. And we'll have a lightning round of viewer question. We'll do a little rat and rave, see if something somebody's got something under their skin. But first, some of the cars we've been testing recently here at Motor Week. Let's start with the ubiquitous midsize Ooh. sedan. Good we have just finished another one of our challenges that we do with Cars.com. Uh, Brian Robinson, you were the point person on that. In general, give us an update on the the where we are with midsize sedans. We know people basically are gravitating away from them, but it's still a big part of the industry. What are the cars? What shape are they in? Yeah, crossovers continue to chip away at the uh, sedan sales, but still a popular choice. And I think we wrote in the script that everyone's buying crossovers, but they usually park them right next to a family sedan. So sales are still strong, and it's an important market I think a lot of people want well to be Well over in. a million so, units. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And and they're actually a bargain when you look at how much sheet metal and presence you're getting compared to a crossover. Uh, that's correct. You get a lot of vehicle for less money than you would pay for a crossover, absolutely. So what was the uh, final tally? Well, this one, some of these, sometimes these things don't shake out the way people think they should. So we'll probably get a lot of grief over this one uh, just because our winner was the Volkswagen Passat, which Whoa. virtually no one Wait thinks a minute. of. Yeah, so... But it really came down to it. It actually did really well last time we did one yeah, of these did. Uh, comparisons. It was top three, I believe. Uh, but it really came down to just the sheer amount of space it offers. Um, that, that was recently refreshed, right? Um, yeah, but very minor. Very minor. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. End. I do remember now that you said it. The Passat did well the last time, and yeah. that was when it was like really old. Yeah, it was kind it's of got a huge but, back yeah. seat and a huge trunk. Right, and it rides really nice. Uh, it the engine nice. is quiet. The fuel economy is right up there uh, with everybody. You know, everyone's stripping that one point eight liter. It's a great engine. And uh, it really came down to not being great at any one thing, but almost like the Honda Accord approach of being really good at just about everything. And, uh, I mean, when you look at it, it because it's now, it has been American-made for quite a while, they're able to be price competitive. Absolutely. That's why they built that factory here was to uh, – and it's still a different Passat than what they sell in Europe. Yeah. We get our own version. And, uh, yeah, they were able to make it bigger and cheaper. Do you remember what were two and three? What, second and uh, third? Second place was Kia Optima, which uh, no one can really argue with that. That's a phenomenal uh, vehicle. Uh, Chevrolet Malibu came in third. I think it – I was kind of thinking that might do a little better, possible winner going into it just because they made that so nice. But just with the price constraints – uh, they sent a pretty low uh, – um, I don't remember the exact model. I'm going to say it was a 1LTE. Uh, so it was lacking some things that the others had. And, and the we actually picked it as Ira midsize car yeah, for driver's I mean, choice. Up-level interior is just absolutely gorgeous. But instead of lower trims, instead of like the wood trim on the mm-hmm. dash, you get like this material. It's like an actual cloth. And almost nobody liked that. What happened to uh, Accord and Camry? Accord – and Camry, neither one of them made the top four. I'm not sure where they placed exactly. Don't remember offhand. Uh, but solid mid-pack contenders. Everyone hates on the Camry just because it's such an appliance. 
But, I mean, to me, it's a very nice appliance. But all of these cars were good cars. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't afford to – manufacturers can't uh, afford to put a stinker out there anymore. I mean, they're all relatively good. All get relatively good fuel economy. And it really comes down to minor things like noise, ride quality, space, stuff like that. How about you two guys? You haven't really said anything. I know no, that yeah. midsize yeah. sedans are not necessarily your uh, purview, but Greg, you're now. Uh, yeah, I'm, congratulations! Uh, by the way, you're recently married. I am. Here it is for and, proof. And, uh, yeah. So you know that's kind of going to be in your ballpark. Yeah, I guess years. so. It's about that time. Um, yeah, I, I'm not shocked that the Camry didn't place well. I mean, I think the last time we did it, it was probably dead last, <laughs> if, I, if I remember. Um, the, I haven't driven the Malibu yet, but I've just heard a lot of good things from you guys talking about it. And I know they've run just a huge advertising mm-hmm. campaign lately. Chevy has. And I'm sure you've all seen the commercials. So I don't know. if Do you think that uh, helped push the Malibu up, or do you think it pushed it down? I think it pushed it down just yeah. because, you know, we all have high expectations. And all the test cars we've had in, like I say, were well-equipped. Yeah, and then when you get in the one that actually people buy. But what's the like, price cap? I think it was 29000 okay. Yeah, That's the way yeah. I felt about it. We had one at Roebling to use for stand-ups or something, and that was like a base, mm-hmm. base trim level. And I thought, this isn't nearly as nice as I remember yeah. seeing it. Um, but, well, so what was the newest one there? Uh, the newest, uh, possibly the Malibu. I think it was the Optima. The okay, Malibu the Optima. and the Optima. Okay. Yeah. Certainly yeah. All, they were right. the only ones that were probably that all sense. new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An interesting thing about the Camry and Cord, not to keep beating on it, but uh, usually they score low for like performance compared to the other ones and like style and they both this time around sent spent like sent uh like uh, honda spent uh sent an accord sport hmm. and uh toyota spent a, uh, had a camry se it's okay so uh, <laughs> <It's> all right <laughs> calm down what i'm <laughs> trying to say is that they both spent sent their like sportiest model available which i think um i don't know it hurt them in the long run but i think uh i don't know it was definitely a good uh, tactic on their end. Yeah. All right, let's sorry about on. that, folks. <laughs> you can rewind. He's never and usually skip that. Time, It's right? pretty early yeah. in the morning, so yeah. let's move on now to probably uh, the most controversial vehicle we've tested in a long time: hmm. uh, a Tesla Model X. This is their new uh, crossover, and uh, it's a pretty interesting beast. Uh, you know, the big thing is the double hinged. Uh, what do they call them? Falcon, Falcon doors Falcon that doors. Uh, enable you to park very close to someone, but still use a gold wing type door system for the rear seat. Um, it's attractive looking. The interior mm-hmm. reminds you a lot, of course, in the same underpinnings as the uh, the S. You you didn't think it was very attractive. <laughs> no functions. I think from certain, from bad. certain angles, like a looking at it from the front, it looks good. Mm-hmm. The profile, it looks kind of dorky. Um, probably not the best word or the word that tesla would want me to say but um we don't really it, care what tesla would want you yeah, to say it, it certainly has <laughs> its tesla yeah it certainly has its angles where it looks good uh, so brian what <laughs> he's doing a very, podcast are we brian? talking strictly about style no or just talk uh, about the car what do oh. you think? All I right, spent the is least it worth? Time it? I mean, obviously, the the early adopters think that this is the beat all to end all, and we uh, we had an owner here, and he certainly does, and mm-hmm. and I still look at it and think, you know, it's a, a six digit automobile. It's pretty amazing in what it does, going you know like three hundred miles between uh, battery charges. 
my biggest problem is with the 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 biggest feature on the vehicle, which was the Falcon wing doors. I yeah. thought they yeah. were incredibly fussy. They um, I think they already, already issued like an, update, a, yeah, an update yeah, on them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they make plenty of noise. That's for sure, going up and down, and just if if you're even remotely into like engineering. Just looking at it and listening to it, you're like something's going to go wrong. <laughs> I just I just know after extended use, but they did work. I will say they worked every time, and I think we mentioned this in the road test. If you're remotely close to anything, yeah, they won't open they all won't the way. Open if, all the if somebody's way. near it or you're you're close and it thinks it might hit something, it will not open. Yeah, it, it, they did have engineered the sensors on the very cautious side, and I think they made a legitimate crossover. It toes mm-hmm. five thousand pounds, so got yep. the range, which is pretty very so, impressive. I yeah, think uh, in that regard, low I think three. He's the 60. I mean, it, yeah. it drives. I mean, it really handles well. It, as you would expect, it's low center of gravity, uh, plenty of power everywhere. So, And you can get a ludicrous version. Of yeah, that. it's the one we tested. I mean, yeah. it's, it's crazy. You, you pay the price for I, it. I think, that our, I think that the fact that that was like a absolute top-of-the-line Model X is what really helped it because – I've seen some really ugly ones, and then I saw this one with the black wheels, like all black paint, oh, yeah. and like the interior looked really nice. And I was like, "Wow, that's it's like that's any, actually pretty just cool." Like looking anything car. else we were talking about, when um, you get the bargain basement one, is not yeah, but, live up to expectations. Um, so this is our second exposure, second Tesla vehicle, I guess, since I've been here of that giant screen. Mm-hmm. Are, are you guys still like into it? I thought it was cool in the Model S, but I think then, it's then getting I started, old. Then I started using it. While I was driving, I thought, wow, this is kind of distracting. This is not any more helpful than a small screen. Actually, I think that the Volvo XC90 uh, system, which is also a big screen, is kind of like moved past it. I think it's time for Tesla to upgrade their system a little bit. didn't seem to be quite sensitive. But the big screens for doing everything with no uh, actual controls, I'm not a fan of anyway. Well, get used to it. Well, this one is just like – not the fact that the size is like good because – you can reach it can at reach any it. anywhere, but it's just they crammed so much information mm-hmm. onto it that it's still not. If like yeah. you had like a, just a couple giant buttons, that would be a lot better. Yeah, like literally that giant. Yeah, it could be <laughs> no, that big. He's, like, he's holding his hands radio. apart like, like that you know, was easy. Yeah. Like yeah. like he's gripping an iPhone or something. He's definitely right. I mean, things as simple as just wanting to tune to a different radio station. I mean, you just, really got to hunt around there. No, I'm not, and. Again, we've only had the we only had our Tesla for a day, and I'm sure you'd get used to where everything is. But yeah. you know, for someone who's maybe jumping into their first Tesla, it's definitely going to be a culture shock. But you know, real car, high quality interior. Absolutely. I mean, it's like it's a pretty amazing uh, event yep. for a what still is a, a startup car company. Let's move on to our Kia Sportage. Um, very. Uh, Interesting little compact SUV that, that or crossover we just had in. Comments, everyone? I think they did a good job with it. I still – it's a lot nicer to drive for sure. Uh, it looks maybe better, but it's still <laughs> – If you like that Porsche Cayman look. Sort yeah, of. but it's still in you know size comparison interior-wise. It's just still not there with CRV RAV4. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably my only felt, issue felt with it. Felt a little it. cramped, and yeah. it, was, it was definitely down on the cargo hauling, too. The fuel economy wasn't great either, um, which is kind of shocking. It didn't seem like they made a real effort to to get it up there and boost it above, like, a CRV or, or a RAV4. But driving it, like Brian said, it's it's 
much better than the previous Sportage. Um, my favorite feature is probably the um, well, the interior as a whole. I think is well done, mm-hmm. and uh, the steering wheel specifically, I think, is uh, very very German and Audi like. And I think they did a nice job That's there. The one that I think you can get in the Optima too. It's like the uh, do we have an SX trim S-X. level? X. Yeah, yes. that's like they're like sports steering yeah. they have in the Optima too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice. I think that's the whole point of this one. I think it's following in their footsteps of trying to be a little bit more European esque. Right. Well, they designed it in yeah, Germany, right? They designed it yeah. in Germany, yeah. and it looks a little so bit you know like it's a Cayman. Of course. <laughs> well, but, yeah. well, but I think you know, in that aspect, I think they actually move the bar forward. Uh, it may not get as good a fuel economy, but I'm not sure that's what they were after. You know, it's. Um, I remember looking back at the or looking at the road test. Uh, they mentioned the original Sportage was actually wasn't it rear wheel drive or yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it seems it's like they're still tank, try- yeah. yeah it seems like they're still trying to keep with that because the uh, all wheel drive system they have in it now of course it's a front wheel drive car uh, but the rear wheel drive or the all wheel drive system sends power to the rear wheels almost all the time or pretty much all the time mm-hmm. which is kind of an interesting little and fact. very European as well mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, let's move along now to our lightning round. Our panelists have two minutes to debate debate a trending automotive topic. When time's up, they'll hear the bell. Thank you, sir. And, okay, this is a little bit, very much a downer in a way to start off with, but it's a very important subject that we need to talk about. The recent tragedy with the death of Hollywood actor Anton Yeltsin uh, where his Jeep Grand Cherokee uh, was not in park and rolled back into him at his home in California, has all of us thinking about uh, e-shifters and electronic parking brakes. Uh, e-shifter basically being a sh- gear shift that may or may not be on the console. It doesn't have the old-style detents that we're used to with a, a console shifter. Um, most anything that's not traditional, that's what an e-shifter is. Yeah. Since no, there's no, no like, mechanical link no mechanical between it and the transmission. Strictly uh, ones and zeros. It looks like, at least at this point, we see lots of flaws in this technology. Why are they in vehicles, and why are they not quite ready uh, for uh, prime time? Here we go. It's It's kind of shocking that something that has had that much trouble made it through into a final car i know we all had that problem with that shifter in the grand cherokee they Mm -hmm. used it in in other cars um and that one in particular of all the e-shifters was probably the worst i've ever used you gotta think they would have had to have done some kind of focus group and talked to consumers and figured out i there's no way that the majority of people they tested thought that was a, a good shifter. That's shocking yeah. to me. That particular shifter, which is provided by ZF, who makes the transmission, is also used in some Audi products. Mm-hmm. And right now, it looks like the big difference is in the Audi products, they're using an automatic electronic parking brake where the Jeep still uses a foot pedal. And in some of the Audi products and some of the other German cars we've tested, these systems automatically go into park when you open the door and stop. That obviously wasn't the case here. Yeah, or even if you don't stop. Yeah. Yeah, I think open your door, instant stop. But what about the whole concept of basically trying to, you know, take something that's so familiar to almost everybody that drives and change it ostensibly to give you more uh, console space, but I'm not sure that's legitimate. A lot of people are doing it, this is my opinion, Mm -hmm. they're they're doing it for the sake of being not necessarily trendy, but I think that's accurate. Okay, so trendy, stylistic, um, you know, advanced with their technology. Like, for instance, the BMWs, where the M cars, where it has that little knob shifter, right. and you, 
there's no physical park. Right. You have to be what in drive and yeah. turn the car off and you go Thought into the park. Neutral. Yeah. Or exactly. Like yeah. that really frustrated. And so me. yeah, the first several times I drove that car, I didn't even know if I was in park or not when I was trying to get out. And I spent like ten minutes trying to just understand if the car was in neutral, if the car was in park, if the car was in drive. Maybe if they're I mean, going to do this, maybe they need to be a total departure. I mean, we've been critics of uh, Lincoln putting push buttons back for gear shift on the uh, dash and Jag and some others using and, – and Chrysler, for that matter, using the rotary mm-hmm. shift uh, knob. But maybe it needs to be something that that's that totally different from what people are used to. Yeah. I mean, with, with those, though – there's actual separate not with a push button but there's gates you know when you've hit a button you but know it, when you're in a specific gear with the rotary shifter not but with if those you shifters. hit the push button on a lincoln it's at almost at eye level and it lights up mm-hmm. that's what yeah. i'm saying you know for a fact whereas like this like you said yeah people assume it's a regular shifter so you push it forward you just assume that it's there and it's, well, it's and got it's not. you know to, in their defense you know it does have a, an indicator on the top of the shifter which is quite small and it does have one in the gauge cluster which is also quite small but who but, looks at that you know exactly well i mean one more no. before you go ahead and ring the no, bell go ahead. yeah but um like you can a, ring the bell and, and, and we're going overtime like what, okay. OT. what you were talking about with with the door open it would just lock the car, put it in park. I mean, mm-hmm. why couldn't they use the technology like they use with passenger airbags, where if they send something on the seat, they turn it on? If something's not in the driver's seat, it should never be able to roll freely. Right? I have a feeling Brilliant. that they, the, the, the fix it, solve the They're problem. putting in uh, there's some kind of um, aftermarket, not aftermarket, but uh, fix electronic fix reprogramming that they're doing uh, to the vehicles. I have a feeling it's mm-hmm. going to be something along those lines. Let's hope they get it figured out. Yes. Okay, let's talk about a viewer question from Alan. Good question, Alan. Why aren't minivans a part of your driver's choice awards anymore? Here's the answer, Alan. Uh, Basically, we try and look at the current market where there's new vehicles, and our uh, driver's choice awards are fairly fluid. The simple fact was there wasn't any new minivans for several years, so we retired the segment temporarily. It wasn't that we didn't like them anymore. It's just that we're saying there's nothing new to talk about. Uh, You could look back on our old awards and see the uh, last uh, couple of awards, what we picked, and those vehicles are still current. However, next year, it will be back in again. And that's because there's a new Chrysler Pacifica, and there's an all-new Honda Odyssey Odyssey. coming this fall. So it will be returning. I believe the last, uh, you know, we've, we've liked the Honda Odyssey, the existing one for quite a long while so if you look back and find that at the top of the last time we did pick a driver's choice award it's uh, still a very good vehicle the big question is whether the um, the audit whether the um, pacifica will dethrone it especially in light of the fact there will be a new odyssey and pretty soon we'll be we'll be testing their uh Vacuum cleaners. That'll be part of our road test. <laughs> yes. It'll be the we battle of the vac- vacuum yeah, cleaners. Yeah, back yeah, off. Sedona's recently updated as well, and there's a new Sienna on the way. But I think more uh, also is just the category shrunk so much. I mean, Ford, Chevy, got at Mazda. They all kind of got there out of fewer, it. fewer choices. Um, exactly. So. It must be good. Kinda, it must be good to be one of the few manufacturers who are still in it because I mean they still sell a ton, don't they? Not a ton, but it's, you still see a lot on the road. They, what is they it? spiked a little bit recently, yeah. but it's still you know still the down. the new the Pacifica, of course, is not in full production yet. But Brian's right; they've continued their slide. It did spike up early with the Pacifica coming out, and I expect it'll spike up a little bit with the Odyssey. But there's no 
question that people want crossovers. Yeah, and we just kind of lumped them into the crossover category. So we still consider them. Um, they just haven't risen to the top. Correct. I will say that Chrysler's done a nice job with their advertising campaign with that Pacifica. Uh, I don't yeah. know if anybody's a fan of Jim Gaffigan, but I think <laughs> his commercials are pretty funny. Well, it's a nice vehicle, too. I mean, it's going yeah. to be interesting to see, since the Odyssey doesn't have, and I don't expect it to have, a, a fold-in-the-floor second-row seat, and I still think that's a huge motivator. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how it does up against Is the Odyssey going to do a hybrid also? have no idea. I wouldn't be surprised. They've yeah. got the powertrain to yeah, do it. Yeah, definitely. I, I haven't heard. Okay, uh, rant and rave. Anything uh, getting under anybody's skin lately? I got nothing. Talked about e-shifters. You're going to have to give you a to rant on something, Robinson. Um, He's too calm. Did you want to continue on the e-shifters or no? Well, I think we can see can continue on the e-shifters because obviously we see more of them than – most. Uh, I think the yeah. average consumer walking into the showroom, they look at the center console, they see a, a handle sticking up there, and they don't think about anything of it till they go out on the test drive. And then it's got to be confusing. And then you have to think, well, I, my, you know, I've got other members of the family that are going to drive the car. You're just not thinking about having to think about something you haven't had to think about hard for a long time. And it it brings me to this entire aspect with the auto industry moving ahead with progress and all the sensors and systems that we need for self-driving vehicles without actually looking at how they're going to be accepted and how it's going to change driving habits. A recent survey said that uh, like two-thirds of the owners of new vehicles are not using all the new features on their cars. I would cars. agree with that. When I get into one of our test cars, what's the first thing you find that's been switched off? Lane-keeping assist mm-hmm. or, or blind spot information. The, the, you know, it's been deactivated by whoever was in there first before because they're annoying. So I am concerned about Detroit getting way, way ahead of itself and pushing technology largely because somebody else has done it without actually looking at the end user. And and I think they're trying to keep up with, like, the pace that, like – Which is rapid. That, like, smartphones are doing where, like, every year – not even – every year, let's say. Mm -hmm. There's There's a a new iPhone every year. There's a newer, better version of a phone. And so, like, you can't do that with cars. I mean – People buy cars to live with for more than like a year. So if all of a sudden they in- introduce something, and then like a year later, six months later, they're like ah, that doesn't work. Whatever, we'll just revamp yeah. the car. But how about all the people who bought that car? What are they going to do? Good point. So, I mean, I, and and that of course is going to affect resale value. The average car ownership now is you know it's you, you approaching ten years. You can't so. turn over a car like you turn over like a phone or something else like that. I can understand that if they don't do it, people like us will be saying, "Hey, that so and so new model is not keeping up with the times." But maybe it's time for sure all we of have us. Said that, yeah, I'm <laughs> sure we have to to pause a little bit and look at some of this new technology and say, "Is this stuff?" We've really? never said that about a shifter, though. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Yeah, I, I we have been. Dressed we haven't said anything really? very nice uh, about uh, e-shifters uh, yeah, in general, no. and I'm thinking Never that, that um, we probably – it's not alone in its uh, need to maybe tell automakers, you know, think about this a little bit more, do a little bit more uh, research on it. Definitely. Okay. I think that was a good one, and we're going to quit right there while we're behind. Uh, I'm John Davis, and I want to thank everybody for tuning in to our podcast today. I want to thank our writer-producer, Brian Robinson, our writer, Patrick Lucas. You're welcome. (laughs) Slip that (laughs) one in. Our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Uh, Yeah, just happy to be here. 
Also, our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood. Our podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and, of course, our producer, Patrick Lucas, the guy with the bell. Hit the bell, Patrick. Thank you all. And uh, we'll be back soon with another Motor Week podcast. Be sure to watch Motor Week on your public television stations and also on Discovery's Velocity Channel or on our YouTube channel, where if you missed it on the air on cable, you'll find just about everything There's working video for this one. There's working video for this podcast, so this good. is also a video podcast yes, as well. Thank you all, oh, and be sure fair. to – yeah, yeah, we yeah. have an audience today. We do it for them. Thanks for watching, cool. listening, and being a part of Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at motorweek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.